Hey, y'all, and welcome back to your favorite scouting center and podcast here for Colorado football. This is the Playmakers Corner, and I am one of your co-hosts, Cody Stoffer. And I'm your other co-host, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V. And we have a very exciting episode for you today. We have another one of our classic, iconic, top five senior lists. And this one is the most difficult one that we've done so far this season. This is top five cornerbacks of the class of 2022. This was comprised of, you know, watching a lot of film of some of the top guys in the state. Stats are accounted for, but obviously very hard to use completely because if you're one of the best cornerbacks, well, people don't really throw your way all that often. So... You know, we, we did use some stats, but mainly the eye and uh, word of mouth to comprise this list of names and watch through a bunch of film. I watched through, like, I want to say close to 15 athletes, and uh, it, it took a lot of conversation to get this list whittled down to a top five. And spoiler alert, it's a little bit more than five. Um so without further ado, I'm going to talk about our number 5A cornerback of the class of 2022, and that is going to be a Fountain Fort Carson defensive back in Lawrence Walker, coming in at 5 foot 11, 170 pounds, and just going to talk about some strengths here of Lawrence Walker's game and what is so impressive about him. I mean, I saw Lawrence Walker first at the Mesa Ridge game versus Fountain Fort Carson, and that game ended in like a 7-0 to score. I went there with our other co-host, Mason Austin, who you've heard from, and if you haven't, go ahead and listen to our interior offensive lineman list where he has a lot to say, and stay tuned for more content. But anyways, we went to that game, and it was it was a very physical football game and Mesa Ridge is one of the you know top passing attacks in for a football they have plenty of weapons there but Fountain Fort Carson was more than a match for that team and part of that was Lawrence Walker who drew a really tough assignment of having to defend Cash Cheeks for the majority of the game Cash Cheeks being a six foot five wide receiver and you know Lawrence Walker he played a lot bigger than five foot eleven in that game he was super sticky and always had his hand in the receiver's pocket no matter what was going on. He also drew assignments from Desmond Burton, who is another top receiver in this senior class. And Lawrence Walker also came up and made plays against their running back, who is one of the better athletes at the 4A level and was just all over this Mesa Ridge team that was trying to attack him personally because as you will find out further down this list that there are a lot of great defensive players for this Fountain Park Carson team and they came after Lawrence Walker and Lawrence Walker was not going to be having it. He's just a very sticky man coverage corner and you know he has really long arms that allow him to make a lot of plays against these taller receivers. I mean he was punching the ball out of Cash Cheek's hands. And Cash Cheek is not a weak wide receiver. I mean, we talked about him a little bit on our top five safeties list, but he's a great two-way athlete who uses his body well. But Lawrence Walker just had better positioning. He didn't bite on double moves. He's pretty disciplined. And his physicality at the line helps him out a lot. Basically, whatever receiver he was drawn up on, he played press against a lot early and often. 
And, you know, his jams are so good that it takes receivers out of play sometimes. You know, in this game in particular, it just slowed down receivers quite a bit and allowed him to stay in their hip pocket. But, you know, in his film, there's a couple of times where he just gives a receiver a good shove at the line and they either fall over or they just take way too long to even get back to the line of scrimmage to be a part of the play. And that leads to a ton of incompletions on the quarterback's part, especially on timing routes where it's one read quick hitters. And, you know, <laughs> when you're facing a team like Fountain Fort Carson, you need to establish rhythm and this secondary just won't let you. And a huge part of that is Lawrence Walker. I want to, you know, put on here that, you know, his footwork is is pretty solid and he's disciplined enough to not bite on double moves and you know his footwork and jams up the line are a huge part of that and you know he's able to move pretty well with most wide receivers in the state and on top of that you know he does a great job of getting his hand on the ball to swat it even if he's not in the best position to make a play on the ball like a receiver will have him you know, the receiver will be in a boxed out position ready to make a play. But Lawrence Walker's long arms and just his strength in those arms is enough to rip the ball out, punch the ball out constantly. And, you know, just how long his arms are allow him to make plays that he kind of has no right in making. And, you know, in addition to those long arms, his instincts obviously help him out significantly in that aspect of football. And I guess last but not least, you know, he's a very solid uh, and physical tackler in the run game. Simon, I know that you wanted to kind of talk about his run defense a little bit. So if you have any more strengths to add on, uh, go ahead and talk about our 5A best senior cornerback of this 22 class. Yeah, no, for sure. And so uh, against the run, he's excellent, honestly. I mean, you talked about how aggressive he is in press. I mean, he's kind of a he's probably the strongest dude in this Fountain Fort Carson secondary, which is definitely saying a lot. You know, he just has very powerful hands at that. And then when he gets in there, you know, when he gets involved in the run game, you know, he makes a point like he hits pretty hard. He wraps up. He does his thing there against the run out of everyone in this secondary, which is a very exceptional. He is probably one of the best against the run. And obviously on this list as well, he's one of the best against the run. So you got to give him credit there. Um, In terms of like other strengths i just wanted to you know re-emphasize that you know he is very good against the pass he is a pure cover well i wouldn't say a pure cover guy but you know he's somebody that i mean he's not gonna allow a lot of room for receivers to breathe i was able to go to that golden playoff game um against jay O'Reilly, and you know jay O'Reilly, he was able to light up dakota ridge uh chatfield a couple other squads along the way and so you know he's obviously a great quarterback you know who found a way to get it done but against his fountain fort carson defense there were a couple of times he tested lawrence walker and walker would you know you know he would he would play off a little bit to kind of bait him and then just like that he would close that gap real quick and not allow any room there on pretty much every target you know the receiver had no chance of just making a play just because he was there every Every single time. Um, I think it's also worth noting last year. I'm not sure how accurate this is, but I believe 
I mean, this is what he said, but he did not allow any passes last season, and he did play against, you know, the likes of Braden Dorman, Luke McAllister, those type of quarterbacks, both in the regular season and the playoffs. Uh, you could throw in Kale Cormani from Rampart as well, and so obviously did a good job there. He's part of this fantastic secondary. But uh, with that being said, Cody, you mind if I talk about some airs of improvement here? Go for it. Okay, bet. All right, so for Lawrence Walker here, um, and honestly, here's the thing with him. Uh, the reason he is only at 5A tied with somebody else, not I wouldn't say higher than somebody else, but tied with somebody else here, is because he does play with a bunch of other great teammates in you know, Curtis Jackson, Jaden Adden, Jaden Allen, sorry, McClarity out there as well, who plays safety and corner, you know, and all these guys communicate with each other well. I was able to see this, you know, in this playoff game and in past games before against Vista Ridge. That was very obvious last year. And then against Luke McAllister, you know, they gave him some fits as well, you know, and you know, that was back when he had all his weapons. And obviously it's McAllister of Palmer Ridge. And so make do with what you want there. But you know it's hard to it's hard to put him higher here because he does have some fantastic teammates who in my opinion are all d1 just like him so there's that but other than that in terms of things he can control i would say i'd like to see him get in better positions to cause turnovers um look he's always gonna be there Honestly, just because of his athleticism, he's going to be there to contest the ball, to, you know, make it incomplete, all that stuff. He's aggressive. He'll make that happen at least. But turnovers are everything, especially on the next level. You know, if you want to stand out, be the type of guy that gets turnovers. If the ball is thrown your way, you should come down with the ball. And so I would like to see him continue to work, you know, on his hands, get to the point where he is mossing receivers potentially, because I do feel like he does have that potential and aggressiveness, but that does start with putting yourself in better positions to cause turnovers. Um, and that's just the biggest thing there, because there are times he's sometimes a little behind. He's not in a position to undercut and stuff like that. And part of that is just discipline. You know, you got to foresee that and make sure you do get yourself in those positions there. So there you go. And then the other thing that kind of hurts him a little bit here is that he is great in the run game. Probably the be one of the best on this list for sure. But there are definitely a couple of times he hesitates. I think feel like it's because maybe he's not recognizing these uh, run plays as fast as he could and you know it's not a bad thing to be a little bit more conservative here and not allow the big play but would like to see him kind of recognize some of these plays a little bit faster here so you could go ahead and get up in there because there are times where he kind of just lets them run up to him and it's not because he's lazy or anything like that it's because i feel like he's seeing it maybe a second slow um, but Cody, what do you think about that? And is there anything else you want to add on before we talk outlook? Yeah. So just, uh, obviously I agree with everything you said. The positioning is probably the biggest thing because he does leave a lot of turnovers on the field. I mean, when you look at his stats, obviously, you know, two interceptions this year is it's, it's really good, but 11 pass deflections, you can't help but wonder if you can't turn one or two more of those into interceptions with some better positioning, right? But no, I gotta agree with that, obviously. But kudos to you know his ability to deflect the pass and whatnot. 
But on top of that, I don't think that he has the most fluid hips on this list, especially the further along this list that we go. His hips are a bit more rigid, especially when he has to work back across the grain. It's a good thing that, you know, he has the athleticism going for him. I don't think it's the worst thing to have to fix. It's just a lot of mobility exercises and drills. And, you know, I think that's something that you can fix in no time, honestly. Um, and uh, on top of that, you know, he doesn't play a very high variety of coverages. That partially comes with when you play in a secondary like the one that Fountain Park Carson has that, you know, is definitely the best secondary here in Colorado this year. And uh, lastly, you know, he, he plays the more narrow part of the field a lot of the time as far as on the field stuff to seek improvement. There's not a whole lot he could do about that, but it is something to just note here when I was watching his film. It's like, okay, he has a little bit less to defend, especially if he's playing that deep third or that kind of shallow cover two kind of coverage. But his last area of improvement, this dude needs to get his Twitter game up. I mean, that's a that's a third too much shade, but Bro don't even have a cover photo on his Twitter, and he was really hard to find on uh, Twitter and Instagram. I actually had to shout out to uh, Faave out there, that that linebacker I found in Fort Carson, who's a guy to watch for next year. He helped me find his Instagram, actually, after the Mesa Ridge game. So thank goodness for him. But, you know, just improving your social media presence. But, you know, it looks like he's been trying to use Twitter a little bit more, but... I don't see any offers here, and that is a really big shock to me, Simon. Especially, like you said, this guy is a Division I athlete. We need to bring this back a little bit. He has a 3.8 GPA, which is a phenomenal GPA, obviously. And, you know, I just think that, uh, you know, he's under-recruited right now, like most Colorado prospects. He is followed by Wyoming football recruiting on his Twitter, but I don't see anything about visits or anything like that. He's also a track star. You know, he's he's helped, you know, this Fountain Park Carson team do well in track and field. He's very fast and, you know, he's going to hopefully get some more looks there as well. But in my opinion, he's a Division One football player. It's pretty cut and dry here i think that you know he's a guy who should be getting looks by at least wyoming i think as far as talent goes he's on a very similar level as zaire jackson from last year who is our number three guy and shouldn't be getting any less looks than zaire was getting in complete honesty uh what do you think of that it, it i wouldn't say is a similar player to zaire uh, has some things to work on as far as getting more of that playmaking going. But as far as talent, like plane of talent goes, I think that they're on the same plane of existence. Yeah, no, for sure. I would agree with that. I mean, Walker here, in my opinion, really impressed in that uh, golden game, honestly, because look, he just wasn't giving that receiver any room. I believe it was Tori out there for golden. who's a pretty exceptional athlete in general. And I mean, he was, I mean, it wasn't just him, obviously. It was the rest of this Fountain Fort Carson team, man. Um, but he was kind of leading that in a way because, I mean, he would just lock up who was that, whoever was uh, right in front of him. 
And, you know, they did not have any room at all. Like, legitimately, there was not a single play in this game where they had any room. So, there you go. Do what you want with that. I agree. He's a D1 guy. Probably, I mean, I, I don't know. I could see FBS, right? I could see FBS, honestly. Okay. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, FCS for sure. Highly under-recruited. FCS, he, he's Division One. Um, yeah. It's... It's as simple as that. He's just too good of a talent. And cornerback is a hard position to fill. Like, really, it's hard to find good cornerbacks. And I look at some guys who are not as, you know, fundamentally sound as Lawrence Walker getting opportunities to play. You know, I think of like, I mean, Langston Williams was recruited a lot more as an athlete. But you look at Langston versus... uh, Lawrence here and I don't think that they're close as far as cornerback skill goes and that Lawrence would start over Langston right now I mean Lawrence Walker could even be a day a year one starting kind of guy for a lot of programs yeah no I absolutely agree and that should say a lot about somebody who's tied for fifth place on this list should say a lot about this list and the player because he's excellent man I honestly I don't think he's a d2 guy Personally, I don't even think he's really a Juco guy. I think he could walk on anywhere and compete right now. But, you know, with that being said, I mean, you didn't kind of mention the social media presence. It does matter, you know. It matters, you know, trying to be found and whatnot because there are uh, a lot of colleges that do communicate towards that through that. And so, you know, you want to get your stuff right, make yourself easy to find in as many places as possible, put your information out there, you know, like height, weight stats uh accolades you know whatever coaches that as well like really they if you if they can't say no if they or or yes even if they don't know who you are like seriously feel free to reach out to coaches send that highlight reel get that huddle kind of updated a little bit too because the huddle's a little rough around the edges as well i'd say yeah and uh, maybe it's this you know his huddle doesn't do him a lot of justice he's kind of just one of those guys that you need to see play in person you know because like i mean like like we said he doesn't cause the biggest amount of turnovers but he blankets receivers and he doesn't give them any room and he suffocates them uh, like every single play and that i mean there's only so much film you could show of that on your huddle before it gets a little like okay what am i looking at here right um but in game he's just about that life you know he's he's real good here and honestly their season kind of just ended here this last weekend when we're recording this it is currently november 22nd and whatnot so who knows by the time this comes out you know he could have a whole ton of offers but he for sure is a d1 guy if he's not gonna get that offer for now you know i mean do what financially makes sense if you feel like you could walk on somewhere and get in you know get in their um cornerback group their db group pretty quickly and eventually earn a scholarship um then do it you know bite that bullet financially and do it if you feel like you could swing that if not there's no shame in going juco i think he would be an excellent juco player he could be all conference in his first year depending on which juco he plays at and if i'm him i'm looking at you know that little jayhawk conference that's over in kansas just over a state 
you know, uh, right next to Colorado. And I think he'd excel there because there's been some great DBs to come out of that Jayhawk conference, uh, plus some pretty good quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Luke McAllister, who he competed against, went to Hutch, and they just actually won the conference against uh, Garden City and our boy Sean Kidd. I don't think Sean was playing in that game, but he's with Garden City right now, though. And so there's a lot of talent over there, and I'm sure there are some familiar faces over there, you know, from – Colorado football as well and honestly I think if he plays if he just gets time you know playing um in his first year and obviously his second year I think it's going to be real obvious and uh, I mean he's going to get those D1 offers that he deserves because I don't think he should accept anything less than you know less than D1 that doesn't mean be disrespectful to to D2s and you know D3s and AI like you know obviously stay humble with that but I think as far as caliber goes, he's somebody who can man up against a lot of D1 receivers and not allow anything, just like he did in high school, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, if he's not getting the D1 looks, Juco is not a bad route. I mean, I was talking to you before this recording and saying that Lawrence Walker, his play style kind of reminds me of Rajon Wright, who, you know, went the Juco route out there at Laney College. As far as, you know, just like the the really wide wingspan and arms and kind of being able to punch out a variety of passes. And, you know, he ended up going to Oregon State and might be on a path to the NFL just like his brother, Nashon Wright. So, you know, <laughs> there, Jugo is not a bad route to D1 and beyond. Yeah, no, not at all. But uh, with that being said... Now, obviously, all the best to Walker. He's shown us some love, by the way, and he's a good dude, and he's somebody that's going to, I mean, he's going to kill it on the next level. He just needs that D1 opportunity. Um, but with that being said, Cody, do you mind if I talk about the other guy here tied at number five, five B, have, um, if you want to call it that? <laughs> yeah, there's, it, like I said, it was a really hard list to, to make up, and it's going to be just a just a hair over five but we can leave this guy off the list i mean go ahead and tell us about the five b uh not to be confused with like b for like after a they're just they are both phenomenal players and they're both our number five cornerback yeah different kind of corners but that is curtis jackson out of fountain for carson he's right here tied at Five with his fellow teammate Lawrence Walker. Curtis Jackson, he is 5'9, 170. I'm going to go ahead and talk about strengths. As far as turnovers go, um, he's a turnover machine, which, which is very opposite um, from Lawrence Walker. But honestly, he's just a turnover machine. Honestly, just looking through his film, watching him play live as well, he probably catches the most interceptions off of tipped passes out of anyone I've ever seen in the state. And he does make some pretty excellent interceptions as well. Against um, Golden, he had that diving interception on that hitch route, which... I mean, you just don't see, you honestly just don't see, you know, unless he's waiting on that. And so there you go. Honestly, if the ball is thrown his way, he's probably going to come down with it. His concentration is absolutely insane there. Um, I mean, you might as well not throw it his way. And you kind of saw some of that, you know, Riley in that golden playoff game wouldn't want to throw it, throw it Jackson's way just because he knew if it's tipped, 
Yeah, I I don't know. Like he might come down with it, and that's probably more of a ninety ten percent type of deal in favor of Jackson if the ball is tipped. So there you go. There, um, just absolutely a monster over there. I'm gonna go ahead and talk about his career stats here, uh, just because. I feel like uh, his uh, stats from this year didn't do him too much justice, but only a two-year starter played this year and last year during the pandemic. And so career-wise, he does have 40 total tackles, um, a sack, eight interceptions, and has caused two fumbles. Uh, Just like Lawrence Walker, he did play against the likes of Braden Dorman, McAllister. Against Dorman, I want to say he actually had, I want to say he had, an interception or so in that game yep he had two interceptions actually in that game so he did his thing against Braden Dorman in that playoff game he had an interception as well and so obviously I mean he's played against you know d1 talent um and he succeeded he has shown to the entire state why you shouldn't throw his way because he is gonna come down with it and he's pretty much an automatic turnover right there and then in addition he does play a lot of outside corner which is a little interesting for somebody at 5'9 170 you know not the tallest guy not the heaviest guy but he does play outside for the most part and he excels just like Lawrence Walker does not give much room I mean his athleticism is definitely D1 that's obvious by his 4 4 40 uh, yard dash um, in my opinion pretty smooth hips and he could change directions pretty easily and on the dime just like that you know which makes him pretty dangerous um as far as getting those tips and whatnot goes just because i mean he could be going one direction at one point and then change just like that still going at his top end speed there so there you go and then uh, something that's really underrated about him is that he's just very good at reading plays whether it's pass or run i mean he just anticipates where the ball will go next and that's partially why he's able to get so many turnovers here i mean he just has a very good natural instincts and then obviously you could tell that he does his uh, homework here because I mean, he just knows. He knows what tendencies of quarterbacks are. You could tell that he studies that pretty well and whatnot. Against Golden, I mean, the only way he was going to be able to get that interception off of that hitch is if he anticipated that to happen based on, you know, the wide receiver groupings and, you know, what Golden likes to do to begin. And so, I mean, that's the only way to really explain that because it's real hard to get a hitch route unless you're just playing I mean, to get an interception off a hitch route, unless you're just playing that super aggressive each time. And, you know, if you do that, then eventually you're going to get burnt for a couple of deep passes. And so he was just ready for that. And that was very obvious there. And that's probably one of his biggest strengths, you know, just consistently puts himself in positions to make plays either in the run or pass game. And, you know, that's what makes him special. That's what makes him, you know, a guy that's worth being on this list. He he just isn't a guy that you can leave off the list with the number of turnovers he had in only two years of play. So, you know, there you go. Uh, Cody, is there anything else you want to add on here before you go into areas of improvement slash concern? Yeah, I'll say that, you know, his um his ability to recover plays for the defense is a huge strength. You know, just his speed in general is very impressive. You know, he definitely saves some touchdown potential plays just with his ability to chase it down. And I think that that translates a little bit well into recovery speed, you know, in coverage. 
So, you know, just that that speed. He's listed as a 4-4 guy. I believe that he's a 4-4 guy. And, you know, how could you not like that, right? Um, and then I think that, you know, he's he's a solid enough tackler. I'll talk about areas of improvement a little bit to emphasize that. But, you know, I think that he shows some bump and run capability as well. There's not as much of it on his film as like a Lawrence Walker kind of guy. But, you know, he's, he shows ability to come up and play a little bit more physical. He is, you know, 170 pounds. I do believe that. And so I think that he plays a lot stronger than he is tall, which sounds weird. But if you know, you know, kind of thing. And then I just think that he does a great job of reading the quarterback's eyes. And that allows him to make plays outside of his assignment while he still plays assignment football. And like Simon said, the instincts are, are there. But reading those quarterbacks' eyes, a lot of cornerbacks who didn't make this list, they kind of just read their wide receiver and don't make plays outside of that. But Curtis Jackson being able to read the quarterback and then make plays on his wide receiver and other wide receivers is just, you know, it it's 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 good football is what it is. And on top of, you know, getting interceptions and coming up with tips and having good ball skills. He does a good job of getting his hand on the football to punch out passes or to force fumbles. You know, that's forcing turnovers is not just a one trick kind of thing. And he does, he does it all for this Fountain Carson team. Talking about some areas of improvement though, to look at for Curtis Jackson, the third, I think that, you know, while, his hips being super fluid is overall a strength for any cornerback and his ability to change direction is very good that sometimes it kind of backfires on him because he'll turn his hips back and forth back and forth and you know that indecision can look really clunky and you know that's something that receivers on the next level will take advantage of and get you dancing in a circle and be able to get uh, I don't know this this year as far as senior receivers go we didn't have route runners like I would say that we did last year um in in my opinion and that's something that you know like a Chase Penry would eat this guy alive uh with with double moves or head shakes and nods and stuff like that so that's something that you have to be careful of and just be a bit more decisive in coverage on how you're going to trail your receiver or how you're going to play them and that can be something that can be addressed in the film room from week to week depending on what your assignment is or, you know, just simmering down a little bit, I'd say. I'd also say that, you know, in the run game, he can be a liability because when hands get on him, he cannot get off of blocks. Like, he just doesn't have ways to shed or he just doesn't have that arm strength that, you know, I could see a Lawrence Walker getting off of a block or I could see some of these other guys using their hands to throw blocks off of them. Curtis Jackson doesn't really have that ability as it stands right now. I'd also like to see him matched up on slot receivers and see him kind of work the whole field. But once again, that's something that you just can't help when you're playing in as talented of a secondary that, I mean, really, they could just play like cover one man at this Fountain Fort Carson school, which is awesome to have as a defensive coordinator and then just cook up a blitz every once in a while because, well, you know your corners are going to handle their business. But, and then, you know, sometimes when he goes to punch the ball out, 
he does whiff on tackles. Uh, that I, I understand that he's trying to make a play, but you kind of have to be able to do both at the same time. Simon, what do you think of those areas of improvement, and do you have more to tack on? I know that you wanted to talk a little bit about him as, as a run cornerback in some ways that he can improve there. Uh, nothing too much, honestly. I mean, the frame is definitely a little concerning at 5'9", 170. Uh, it's not going to stop him from going D1, by the way. He's going to be just fine there. But there are obvious limitations to that, just not being able to be a more physical corner uh, right now. But he just needs to focus on getting leverage, um, you know, when trying to block Shed and whatnot, because that's probably his best bet at getting off of blocks. I don't think he's ever going to get to the point where he's just going to be able to physically, like, dominate a receiver and just get off the block like that. You know, he's going to have to use leverage there, and so I'd like to see him work on that a little bit more there. But other than that, uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, I agree with everything you had to say, Cody. Well, do you want to talk about Curtis Jackson's outlook here? Yeah. Um, so, okay, first off, I don't know about his offers, but obviously he's a D1 guy. I mean, with the amount of turnovers he gets, with his athleticism, there's no way that he doesn't go D1, in my honest opinion. Cody, do you know what his offers uh, look like right now as of November 22nd? Well, believe it or not, he does not have a lot of offers here. Um, I mean, granted, he, he just po- posted his 2021 highlights two hours ago on this day. Yeah. And, you know, uh, other than that, the most active thing on his Twitter is when we named him the Week 12 Player of the Week. That was you, Simon, after watching his game against Golden. But he is another highly underlooked guy. I mean, he visited... CSU Pueblo with uh, Faave, you know, when they saw three Fountain Fort Carson coaches get inducted into the CSU Pueblo Hall of Fame, which congratulations for that. And, you know, he's got to be getting looks from there at least, but I don't see a whole lot of offers. He's another highly underlooked prospect, and it's just unfortunate. Start DMing those coaches. I think he is another Division One guy who because he plays in Colorado, just isn't getting the looks he deserves. And it's frustrating because that's going to be a pattern that kind of continues as we continue on this cornerback list in what is one of probably the best batch of cornerbacks in in the entire country. I'm going to say, you know, this is one of the best cornerback groups in the entire country. And, and it's just getting underlooked continually. So there's that. Yeah, God I, dang it. I don't know about the entire. I, I don't want to go as far as as that just yet, uh, partially because I haven't seen anybody. I know California has the number one corner and like uh, probably some. I know they have the number one corner and then two other guys in that top 10. So I, I don't want to go too far there. But no, I, I would agree. I mean, he's very much a D1 guy, though. I mean, more than Walker, I mean, he's definitely a little bit more active on social media and whatnot. But, I mean, his stats, eight interceptions in two years. That's four a year. Um, his interceptions are all against, you know, top quarterbacks. Uh, Braden Dorman, four-star. McAllister, I, 
either three or four star i forgot uh jazel riley he's not ranked but he's definitely at least a three star or four star so it's not like he's just picking off bums so <laughs> you know i mean he's he's talented enough to make it to the next level i would probably say he's maybe a slot corner on the next level if he goes fcs then you know he could play outside for sure i mean he could play outside uh in fbs as well just because of his speed and his playmaking ability obviously but i think he's a guy that you know if he was to walk on he would be able to you know earn a spot and separate himself pretty quickly it would become pretty obvious that he's somebody that should be on an offer um on that football team and you know i wouldn't be surprised if he goes juco i mean he's just gonna keep racking up those stats but I think I I honestly wouldn't be surprised if, you know, a couple offers start pouring in here as we approach December, January and signing day. Yeah, he kind of he kind of reminds me, at least college wise, or at least how I would use him on the next level of like a Chris Harris Jr. Uh, who, you know, he went underlooked his entire career as well. So no need to be discouraged, you know, as far as how he's gonna like don't let your high school under recruiting influence how far you can go as far as uh being a football player goes so yeah and corners receivers <clears throat> linemen i mean those positions they're pretty saturated there's a lot of people at those positions so i mean it's it happens you know um if they some college coaches they're looking for a specific height if they don't see it they move on you know that's just what happens but jackson here uh, he's honestly just one of the best athletes in the entire state one of the best in the entire country and you know i mean i think his iq as well as football iq is definitely there to match which you know you you gotta you gotta recognize eventually and so i'm not as worried about him as as probably walker to be honest with you so we'll see but he's definitely a d1 guy uh i mean he and if he's not a d1 guy right now as and he doesn't get that offer i mean he's gonna continue to play like it until a d1 wakes up and offers him and you know i'm looking at colorado teams outside of basically all the d2s because all of them always pay attention but um you know the uh d1s like unc cu csu maybe there's a reason why they're the way they are so there you go but that basically wraps up all we have to say about curtis jackson right cody yeah that does it for our number five a and b cornerbacks of the class of 2022 and coming up next will we leave fountain fort carson or continue talking about some players there at number four what's good y'all welcome back to the playmakers corner podcast we're back at it talking about our top five class of 2022 cornerbacks here in the state of colorado the box state and at number four we're gonna stay right at fountain fort carson and talk about Jaden allen number seven you know he 
arguably has the most experience playing wise out of these guys on this list uh having getting some varsity snaps as a freshman and pretty much every year consistently uh leading up to his senior year and so i'm gonna go ahead and you know talk about his strengths here the reason he is above his teammates right now here at number four um is because of his versatility you know that's the thing that really puts him um kind of ahead of some of these other guys just because of his ability to not only consistently play these two positions but play at a high level and that's playing safety and corner you know he does that a lot he plays safety he plays outside corner he plays a little bit of slot from time to time and so you know honestly you could put him wherever and he's gonna play at a very high level there and versatility as we say on this podcast is everything going on to the next level the more positions you could play the more spots you can play at the more valuable you are moving forward. And so that's where we're coming from there. Uh, another thing we like about him, obviously he has excellent ball skills. You know, he'll consistently at least at the very least, you know, he'll put himself in positions to break up the pass. If not cause a turnover, you know, for somebody that's only about five eleven or so, he has pretty long arms that allows them to contest the ball a lot more than, you know, some would realize, you know, like I said, he's only five eleven, but he has very long arms and, you know, they always get in there. He's super aggressive. And at the very least, if he He's not picking off the ball. He's going to contest it and, you know, just uh, give uh, receivers a lot of fits until they could bring in that football. And so you have to go up strong against this kid or he's going to go ahead and dominate you. And so there you go there. And then as far as athleticism goes, I mean, he's right up there along with Curtis Jackson, Walker, probably another guy who runs a 4-4, 4-5 type of deal, you know, with good agility. Um, you see him change directions pretty smoothly for the most part as he does make some catches on offense and defense from a bunch of different angles. Uh, also throwing this out there, it helps that he does return kicks uh, punts and kicks as well and so that kind of adds to his versatility plus you know is a testament to honestly just how good of an athlete he is you know he's somebody that can make somebody miss as well with the ball in his hands and so just in general i mean the versatility the athleticism the skills i mean he's kind of the full package here you know he's one of the better guys here on this list uh, in terms of you know just all-around players uh, for sure and then obviously you know being one of the best in the entire state being at number four right here cody is there anything else you want to add on before you hop into airs of improvement i mean one of the things that i really liked here from Jaden allen at number four obviously the versatility we <laughs> you know how much i'm a sucker for versatility at any position and so him playing that safety outside slot corner stepping up in the box blitzing you know all of that bodes really well for him on this list for us and you know it's something that we'll talk about with some other players coming up but i just really like how well he explodes off of the off of his back foot back to the ball to come up and play in the run game you know he's you know not the strongest guy but he still comes up and plays very aggressive whenever he you know does play the run and something else that I really like is just, you know, his angles, whether he's using angles and pass coverage to play, you know, those routes that go across the field, he plays those really well and is able to get in between the ball and the receiver, even when he's at a disadvantage working, you know, from east to west and having to 
sift through linebackers and stuff like that. He still does a great job of playing the ball in those passing situations. And he takes great angles as well, you know, in the run game as well, using just those that that top notch speed that you were talking about and, you know, getting across the field to make plays. He just does a great job of playing the entire field, no matter what the play is necessarily. And then obviously everything that you said as well. And uh, just the ability to read the quarterback very well uh, as far as making plays go. But talking about areas of improvement, uh, he's not the most physical tackler. Uh, you know, he does have some big hits interweaved through through his highlight reel, but a lot of his tackles are the ankle binding kind of tackles. You know how much I hate that. Um, there's a reason I call it ankle biting is because it's definitely not my preference of a tackle. And, um, you know, another thing, too, is that he doesn't really have use of block shedding moves. Uh, if the weave angle isn't there, he'll go all the way around the entire play to make a tackle way later than, you know, some other more physical and stronger guys could take to the ball, if that makes sense. And, you know, I, I think he's another guy who left interceptions on the field. There's definitely ones that he just drops it or, you know, he doesn't attack the ball as much and just goes for the punch when really he's completely capable of making the interception. And, um, you know, uh, on top of that kind of conservative kind of or more conservative kind of play, this translates a little bit in the run game, too, where sometimes he'll let tackles come to him rather than going and getting a tackle. Um yeah, those, those are the biggest areas of improvement. And then the last thing I have listed here is that, you know, he can uh, bite on play action plays when lining up in the slot or kind of in that box role or position. It's not the worst thing because he has the speed to make up for it, but it is still something to note here. Simon, what else do you have to talk about here for number seven, Jaden Allen, number four on our list? Yeah, no, for sure. So, um, honestly, I agree with everything you say. I'm not going to talk about that too much. I just wanted to throw this out there because we did when we first started talking about these Fountain Fort Carson boys. They have the benefit of playing with each other, you know, uh, playing with two other fantastic corners, a good safety and McClarity as well, you know, and they communicate really well. That's probably the strength of this team you know this secondary communicating so well Jaden allen he may not have the most interceptions or turnovers like curtis jackson but he gets in there a lot to set up those turnovers to curtis jackson and you see that and that's communication bruh i mean you just don't see that uh, a lot on the high school level and so moving forward i think the thing to look out for is how well can he do uh, let's just say this. How well could he do in a situation where the DBs don't communicate as well as they could? Can he be somebody that potentially elevates that? Because I think one of the other things that's kind of a strength in his game is that because he is so versatile, plays in a couple of different spots here, one would imagine that he communicates quite a bit with his DBs to set them up to potentially get in a position to get a turnover, you know? And so... I think that's just important to keep in mind here. You know, how well will that translate to the next level when he plays with guys that he's not as tight with or that he feels like 
you know just aren't on the same level communication wise and so that's definitely the thing that is holding all three of these guys back from being ranked higher because honestly any other year i mean it would probably be like a, a pretty close a pretty close uh run for number one and two or three honestly or tied for one of those spots as well cody would you agree with that oh absolutely i mean it, it's it's tough right that you know oh you guys all played with each other like it's not something that they can control and they're all great athletes in and of themselves but they definitely get to play a lot more loose than some guys get get a chance to so um yeah yeah it, and you know that that's just what what can you do about it but. No, for sure. It definitely reminds me a little bit of uh, the federal way, the federal way boys from Washington that we did a breakdown on um, that Elijah Graham was a part of before moving to Colorado. Cody, uh, all those guys just being very good corners who basically all went D1 or all are going to go D1. You know, shout out to our boy Graham over at CSU. And so it kind of reminds me of that, like this secondary looking at that secondary up in Washington, they play very similarly. Like you could, you could just see it. Like oh, they're uh, Jaden Allen's like this guy, or you know, they communicate really well here and there, and that's why they're so good. And so you know, it gives me a lot of those vibes, which I like a lot. Would you agree with that as well? Yeah, I mean, as somebody who did the breakdown on a lot of those guys, and uh, you know, watched a lot of Elijah Graham's film, obviously when he was our one of our top five senior safeties last year. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly that uh, there's just a lot of talent and they, they benefit from playing with each other. But also, you know, when you see a, a football player play loose and in a comfortable situation, I think it's the best reflection of just what their, um, you know, potential ceiling can be. And the ceiling on all of these guys is very high. Yeah, no, for sure. I think if you're a, you know, DC and you look at this group of corners, first off, it would be hard not to offer all of them and just keep them together and see what happens in college, you know, um, you know, just just see what happens there. But also, I mean, it would be saying something if they were to stay together. And, you know, we know they're all hard workers, too, by the way, and they somehow do worse on the college level. So there you go there. But speaking of the college level, Cody, do you have uh, or do you know what some of Jaden Allen's offers or potential interests might be moving forward? He's a D1 guy that's established, you know, but, uh, you know, does he have any offers so far? Every guy that we talk about uh, is going to be a D1 level guy. Uh, However, the offers are not clicking quite to that level, but he does have more offers. Then some of the guys that we have talked about, you know, he has an offer to uh, South Dakota School of Mines. That's a, a pretty prestigious D2, um, but, you know, like college football program, at least one that does a good job of offering some of the underlooked uh, Colorado talent. He also has an offer to Rose Holman Institute of Technology. That is a D3 program out in, I think it's in Indiana, I want to say. Um, let's see here. Yes, yes, and they're they're a D three school, and then he also has an offer to Dort uh, University. That's an NAIA. 
football program that's in the Great Plains Athletic Conference. So, you know, he has offers, which is, you know, good compared to some of the things that we have been talking about. But another one of those guys that is just going underlooked, obviously, from playing with other talent. But, you know, just another one of those Colorado things happening. Um, but absolutely a D1 guy, in my opinion. I'm not going to change, you know, as we go further up the list, I'm not going to say people aren't D1 after we've established that both of the number five guys are D1 talents. And so I think that that remains consistent here with Jaden Allen. All right. Well, there you go there. Um, I mean, I feel like he's somebody that could completely change a program potentially, you know, with him just having that versatility and whatnot. And so I'm just going to throw this out there. You know, if these Fountain Fort Carson boys all collectively look at their offers and they're like, man, we could do a lot better. Maybe it would help going to the same Juco potentially or going to different Jucos. That's fine, too. You know, maybe stand out without each other. You could do that. But, you know, it's I personally, if they play at a high level in like the Jayhawk conference, shoot, I think it's a wrap. I think they all get D1 offers if they could potentially win the Jayhawk conference. That doesn't even mean playoffs or anything like that. But if they could be a part of a winning like jayhawk conference champs team that could be huge you know and so i could definitely see that happening if they want to stay together you know one or two more years which is all it really would be then maybe they could find a way to you know make that happen like i said it's so it's just over in kansas you know it could be farther away like it could it definitely could be farther away uh, so i'm just gonna throw that out there i mean uh as a medium I think that would be an excellent story to follow. Wouldn't you agree, Cody? You would think that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, <laughs> okay. I, I, well, they could go separately and all compete against each other. And, you know, that could probably work out just as well. But, I mean, I mean, it, it would be interesting. I mean, we saw something kind of like that when Ray Jean followed Nashon to, uh, to Laney College. And, and their cousin. Yeah. And, uh, and their cousin, and they all played together and balled out. And, you know, they all ate. They all ate, obviously. So uh, that is something that could potentially happen as all three of these guys are going disgustingly under-recruited. Yeah, but there's there's a lot of time left. So we'll just see if they have a bunch of offers, you know, D1 offers by the time this episode comes out. Congratulations. Um, but with that being said, do you want to go ahead and take a quick break here before we talk about some players that aren't from Fountain Fort Carson? <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, sure thing. Coming up next. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. We are talking top five cornerbacks of the class of 2022 and we are here at number three with our first non-fountain fort carson guy this guy actually plays at legacy high school at five foot ten 170 pounds i'm talking about Braden keith the physical shut down cornerback over at legacy high school who you know kind of uh flew under the radar uh, onto our list until I watched his film and was completely blown away. 
I know Simon has a very similar story. And, you know, between three and two here, he, he could have just as easily been number two. We'll talk about some reasons why, when we talk about the number two guy, why he just edged out Braden for that spot. But there was some serious discussion of Braden Keith being the second best corner in this class. And there's plenty of reasons why. The first reason that I wrote down is that his one of his best strengths is that he is a very disciplined cornerback. There is one play on his highlight reel where they run this cute little like motion reverse pass back to like a cornerback or, or a quarterback or like the wide receiver. Braden Keith does not bite on this play fake and come up and play the run. He still plays his zone and waits for the correct time to jump back. And then it's basically a 50-50 ball that's thrown up by this wide receiver. And Braden just mosses uh, whoever the pass catcher is, whether it was the quarterback or a wide receiver. He just mosses him and rips the ball away. And I think that that one play is very indicative of everything that he has to offer, you know, between... Like I said, just being very disciplined and just a very physical cornerback. There is no breathing room for any wide receiver who Brayden Keith is covering. And he is going to give wide receivers fits. And he does throughout the film. You know, there's receivers constantly crying for flags because Brayden Keith just is just so much stronger than them and just bullies them all over the field. And whoever whoever has the unfortunate uh, responsibility of trying to make a catch on Braden Keith is going to have a very hard time. I don't even know if he allowed a catch this season because, I mean, just any ball that comes his way, he does a great job of, you know, punching it out, but also has great ball skills as far as, you know, going up for interceptions or diving for interceptions. And he covers a very high variety of routes. Uh, he was definitely a do-it-all kind of guy over there at Legacy. And, you know, he plays... The most coverages out of anyone that we've seen thus far, I'd say, you know, whether he's playing man or playing a deep zone, he also plays a shallow zone. He's played a middle zone and, you know, but it's hard to not put him in man situations when he is one of the best bump and run cornerbacks in the state, maybe even in this region. He just is so physical and uses his hands very well in coverage, whether, you know, he's shifting cornerback uh wide receivers hips to go the wrong way or whether he's punching the ball out or just always keeping that hand in that hip pocket or giving a good shove at the initial line of scrimmage to completely throw off the timing of the play he can do it all as far as just being absurdly physical and just very fundamentally sound simon i don't want to steal all of the thunder here so i'll pass it over to you to talk about Braden keith and you know some more things that he does right because we can't do him justice in such a short amount of time of everything that he is great at yeah no for sure uh honestly his technique is as perfect as it could get he leverages well he puts receivers in a lot of uncomfortable positions by just being aggressive at the line and you know even down the stretch as well just kind of being that irritant um honestly just watching him play there there are definitely some marcus peters vibes you know marcus peters plays a very aggressive style of football for sure you know just being somebody who gets his hands 
turns on you and uh, just really bothers you, um, not only from the beginning of your route, but to the very end because he finishes off very well. You know, he's an extremely physical guy, like you said, Cody. And honestly, you know, he's the type of guy you love to have in your secondary because he continues to set that tone. If you're a defense that, you know, has a strong front seven and whatnot you know keith is probably one of the dudes that you like to have in your secondary because he just plays the ball really well undercuts receivers really well he'll get turnovers you know he comes down with some pretty insane catches and then also he's not afraid to go ahead and hit somebody as well and continue to set that tone that your aggressive front seven would already set and so he's definitely a one-of-a-kind uh, corner out here already for a legacy and you know one of the you know one of the bright spots for that team as well and so uh, honestly I don't want to repeat too much of what you said, Cody. So do you mind if I talk about some of these areas of improvements here? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so, uh, you know, we talked about his, his aggressiveness, how good that is. Just like Marcus Peters, I could see penalties probably being kind of a big deal for him, being a little bit of an issue. There are times where uh, he is over-aggressive at times. And honestly, you know, on this level, you know, and especially Colorado uh, football and their whole thing with the refs being short-staffed and uh, maybe not as quality as some other states, if I'm just being completely honest with you. Um, they're not going to call some of the things that he does on this level. But on the next level, on the D1 level, which he is, you know, a D1 type of guy, there's a lot of things that they might call, especially kind of near uh, the end of uh, those routes at the end of, you know, some of these plays here where he's a little bit too physical here, where he's getting his hands on these receivers way too much and he needs to kind of calm down here and whatnot and just play the ball um, with better timing, I would say. So there you go there. He's just a little over aggressive at times and that definitely hurts him. Um, go to you mentioned his hips are a little stiff i would agree as well you know maybe not the most fluid guy out here um but he just kind of makes up for that by playing at a very like aggressive like i'm going at 100 all the time level and if he gets you know i mean if he, if he bites or you know just doesn't make the right play then you know it just happens and it is what it is and there's not a whole ton of recovery there so there you go so that aggressiveness is definitely a little bit of an issue as well if you could continue to reel that in and he's in a pretty good spot right now for the most part i mean i would say that uh there are some corners that play way more aggressive than him and get burnt a lot more get a lot more penalties than him but i would say moving forward he just needs to watch his hands and you know how physical he gets um especially the farther they get from that line of scrimmage cody would you agree slash is there anything else you want to add on here uh i i agree obviously with everything you said like like you said uh his hips are a bit stiff uh that was the biggest thing that i took away from watching his film and yeah just like with any physical corner um penalties are just something to keep an eye on but like honestly i could live with, <laughs> i could live with you know uh a couple of pass interference penalties as long as he's setting the tone and letting these wide receivers know that they're in for a very long day uh one pass interference penalty is nothing compared to a frustrated wide receiver who's going to stop start dropping passes and misrunning routes and lead to interceptions for this team so um 
<laughs> like, it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, but uh, Simon, with those areas of improvement kind of addressed and, you know, us talking about how many strengths he has, is it time to start talking about what his recruiting looks like? You want me to talk a little bit about what offers he currently has? Yes. All right. Well, cool beans. So, um, you know, out here, in, it's a lot of Colorado interest. He currently has an offer. His first D2 offer was from Western on November 3rd. And uh, Western is currently mobbing right now. Uh, shout out to my boy Connor Dash and those Mountaineers for winning their conference for the first time since 98. Uh, we love seeing Colorado football. But anyways, uh, he has an offer there. He has another offer actually to South Dakota School of Mines. So he could link up with uh, Jaden Allen and make some noise there. And his most recent one is a preferred walk-on offer to CU, which uh, CU will be a name that we toss out a couple more times. And, uh, you know, I think that CU could definitely offer him a scholarship. Um, and uh, Simon, you and I talked about this. It's, it's part of the business, obviously, but colleges will take advantage of student athletes who grow up wanting to play for that university, especially in-state talent. If they can save scholarships to get some more out-of-state guys, they will err on that side. But I think that that just is a testament that he is a D1 player and somebody who's getting a little underlooked. I could definitely see him getting an offer to like a CSU in the coming months. And uh, that may or may not force CU's hand, but he's a D1 guy and uh, somebody who's going to be getting more offers here as as the season kind of goes on. Uh, Simon, what do you think of those offers currently and uh, his outlook here heading to that next level of football yeah honestly if i'm csu i go ahead and undercut cu and offer him a full ride i think that just goes without Absolutely. saying i mean <laughs> I, if i'm a dazio i'm like hey cu you're our rival screw you i'm gonna go ahead and get this kid because you're uh you're trying to you know screw him over a little bit here and you know what if we meet up again so be it and that's what's going to happen. And, you know, honestly, low-key, if I'm some other Pac-12 schools that maybe aren't doing as well, you know, um, well, maybe not doing as well. If I'm a Pac-12 school like a Utah, I could see him fitting well, really well. The, I could see him fitting really well over there at Utah. I would just be like, hey, CU doesn't know what they're talking about. Come play for a proven winner in Utah and uh, make this thing happen, man. And come out of Colorado and, uh, you know, help us win another Pac-12 championship or get back there. And so I could see him going to a Utah potentially. I think that would be an excellent pickup low key if they would do that. Because um, I feel like he just fits kind of their philosophy really well in general, honestly. Yeah, no, that'd be an awesome fit. And, uh, yeah, there's plenty of, pla uh, of Pac-12 schools that could use any of these guys that we've talked about so far, honestly. Um, they're literally having, like, I don't know if you knew about this, but during, like, the Cal and Stanford game, there was more media attention on the student stare-down than the game themselves. Um, so <laughs> the Pac-12 needs uh, a little bit of help culture-wise anyway. But I agree wholeheartedly that there's opportunities for him on that division one level and even on that power five level so yeah no for sure and then obviously i mean if he was to go juco i think he could potentially be a day one starter 
for a lot of teams as well. I mean, it's rare you find a corner this aggressive and physical, you know, at pretty much every point of the play. So, you know, I think that's something that uh, you got to keep in mind as well. He he feels like a Juco type of guy potentially as well if he was to go that route a little bit more than some of these other guys for sure. Just being kind of that gritty defender, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I got to agree. And uh, so there you go. <laughs> That, that's uh, that's Braden Keith, our number three cornerback of the class of 22. And yeah, I would actually laugh out loud. When, I will laugh out loud. I'm just going to try and predict the future here and say that CSU offers him a scholarship and he just goes to CSU instead of CU. That would be yeah. that would be hilarious. I would I would be losing my mind. It would be so funny. It and, would be uh, classic. Yeah. Will it happen for another player here at our number two spot who also has a PWO to see you coming up next? What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. We're talking top five corners here in the class of 2022 in the box state. Now, number two, we have arguably one of the most electric athletes in the entire state if not the most electric athlete in the entire state dante capolongo the 511 175 pound athlete for dakota ridge high school um like we said before we are recording this on november 22nd and so they actually unfortunately just got eliminated from the playoffs by chatfield but there is a lot to talk about here when it comes to Dante Capolongo. Uh, first off, a longtime friend of the podcast. So there you go. But let me go ahead and just go down the line, talk about his stats. Now, these stats will include, obviously, all of his regular season games, along with, I want to say, yeah, along with both of his playoff games on here as well and so i'm gonna go ahead and start defensively so on the year he had 45 total tackles four tackles for losses interception wise he had seven interceptions including an interception against uh, longmont um an interception in that golden game two against bear creek and yeah i think those are probably the more notable ones so there you go there he also has caused a fumble that one came against brighton and then he has recovered uh, two fumbles on the year, one against Thomas Jefferson, one against Bear Creek. And then pass deflection wise, I think this is really interesting because you don't see this uh, a lot here as far as stats go here in Colorado. But he does have 20 pass deflections on the season. Um, so there's some notable games there. Special teams wise, which you already know I have to talk about. He has a lot of uh, touchdowns on special teams. We'll just say that there. You know, he is very productive in that. So, you know, with all that out of the way, let me go ahead and talk about his strengths here. Obviously, the stats speak for themselves. Dante here is actually, you know, just straight up one of the best athletes in the entire state. He has elite speed, acceleration, um, agility, I would say. You know, he's just an elite athlete with the ball in his hands. He is dangerous. He could take it to the house, which is another plus to him because he's uh, probably the best special teamer in the entire state potentially one of the best in the entire nation in the entire nation as you know he can house 
a lot of kicks at any given moment. And this shows on defense as well. But, you know, when he does get the ball in his hands, I mean, he's dangerous to go ahead and rip off like a 50 plus yard uh, type of play to, to the house and score off of it and that's just because of his playmaking ability you know he is very elite there as well and then in addition the third thing i really like about dante is that he just has the ability to make spectacular catches and has fantastic ball skills if thrown his way it flashes a couple different times here you know where he just skies for great uh catches or interceptions and whatnot and so that combined with his playmaking ability with the ball in his hands whether he's a special teamer or whether he's getting an interception or whatnot along with his just elite athleticism makes him you know just arguably one of the best raw prospects in the entire state of colorado like this dude he's just a pure athlete also by the way does play a little bit of receiver he does have some solid stats here as well um just gonna say this real quick 170 rushing yards four rushing touchdowns 482 receiving yards on 20 receptions and on and five receiving touchdowns so um that's a lot of production off of 20 receptions honestly so there you go there as far as kickoff and punt goes um or punt returns go you know he does have two punt return touchdowns that i see on here um has forced a couple fumbles and stuff like that oh and this was all i want to say mid-season uh, when all of this happened, um, had a lot. There was a little bit of a streak here where he scored off of special teams for a couple games in a row, uh, four or five, I want to say. So, uh, so there you go, Cody. Is there anything else you want to add on here uh, before you talk areas of improvements? Yeah. So obviously, you know, he's one of the most dynamic all-around playmakers um, in the entire state uh, from an offensive special teams and intercepting return. Uh, perspective like you said and just he's a contender for the fastest player in state and on this list he is quick and I mean that and that translates really well to quarterback he has incredible makeup speed and routinely saves touchdown uh, potential scoring plays and he uses this speed to undercut routes uh, constantly and you know he gets a lot of interceptions that way where he totally baits the quarterback with you know he's like oh yeah look this guy has me beat oh that ball's mine because he's just so fast and uh he, he uses his speed very smart uh at that cornerback position and i also just want to point out you know at this cornerback position that he has excellent body control and footwork i'd say uh for coverage you know that obviously plays a role on his undercutting routes and you know it also plays a role in his diving interceptions he's just constantly putting his body on the line and he routinely turns up results for it because there's a lot of guys who will dive for plays and they don't come up with anything but dante when he dives it's because he's about to make a play and make an interception and make a play on the ball um he he constantly cleans up other people's missed tackles uh, he's definitely like a security blanket for this Dakota Ridge defense. And, um, you know, his acceleration makes him a big hit threat as well, where, you know, somebody will catch the ball and, you know, he's 10 yards away, but he just always has another gear that's completely unexpected. And he'll lay the wood uh, just from being really fast and uh, accelerating somebody just very quickly. I also think that, you know, he shows good skill and footwork and you know 
ability whenever he does defend he does defend routes across the field he follows guys around the field as well uh so he can be a one-on-one lockup kind of guy he can play a deep zone he can play a soft zone he can play anything that you ask him to uh once again like some other guys on this list and you know that's a, a strong case for him to be such a great defensive back and quarterback and yeah just <laughs> And the biggest thing here is on Playmakers Corner is that we look for playmakers, and Dante is exactly that. Um, but but there are some areas of improvement, some mild concerns here. And Simon, you already passed it to me, so I'm going to talk about it here. He does let his kind of natural ability get in the way, I'd say, with confidence because he gets lazy or undisciplined on plays. And, you know, sometimes things get by him and then, you know, he has to go and make that tackle and he catches up a lot of time, but things shouldn't be getting by Dante because of his speed. You know, that should mean the exact opposite that, you know, he doesn't need to let like running plays. He doesn't need to catch up to those. He should snuff them out earlier if he, you know, stays a bit more kind of on it or pays more attention during the play. Cause there are plays where it's like, okay, cool. He stopped the run at the 10 yard line, but he could have went across field and made that tackle for only a 15-yard gain instead of a 50-yard gain. Um, I also think that on defense, he is probably the cornerback that attempts to punch the ball out the least on on this entire list. And, you know, it's something that I think everyone else has a strength of and something that he could definitely do if he just turns up a little bit more and should try and punch the ball out you know when going to tackle and forcing fumbles that way a bit more than than he does but as far as pass deflections go uh he does a great job of that usually he's just so athletic and so good at you know throwing his body where it needs to be that he can break up passes that he has no right uh breaking up and in that case you know it's good but he needs to work on punching the ball out a bit more in that run defense Simon, is there anything else that you want to add on in areas of improvement before I kind of talk about some offers that he has? Uh, No, not too much, honestly. I mean, he's a fantastic athlete. So, you know, taking a couple more chances, trying to punch out the ball wouldn't be a bad thing as well. Uh, Obviously, technique-wise, could use a little bit of work, you know, just getting leverage, putting receivers in uncomfortable positions and whatnot. Because I feel like once he figures that out, I mean, he's cornerback one on a lot of FBS squads on the next level, and that's just facts, you know. You already have the raw ability or just the raw athleticism here. If a team looks at that and they're like, hey, I could mold that into a number one corner type of guy, uh, I mean, he could be dangerous. He could be somebody that, you know, quarterbacks just don't look his way at all. And then uh, it is what it is there, but you got to work on that technique there. I think that's not the biggest deal either, though. I think, you know, maybe give it a season or uh, off season as well or both, you know, and then he'll be right there with some of the best guys, um, you know, in the in the country, honestly. So there you go. But Cody, do you want to go ahead and talk about his some of his offers and uh, his future here? Yeah, sure thing. So, um He's a D1 guy. He's been invited out to CU football a lot this year. Like, a lot, a lot. He's been to, like, three or four games. Um, and and is just... I think it shows that he's a D1 guy. He has a preferred walk-on offer there, which is really interesting for how many games they had him on. 
uh, out there for. I think they're trying to almost kind of finesse him, kind of like Charlie Offerdahl kind of status. Um, so that's interesting. But I think he also has an offer from uh, Missouri Western, or at least he has some support from them. Uh, they made a little edit for him to say beat Longmont. So, you know, that's pretty awesome in and of itself. And, um, you know, he has interest from outside the state. He's been invited to CSU games as well. And uh, especially, I think the most recent one he went to was November 13th. So that wasn't that long ago. And uh, I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of interest in, you know, arguably the best athlete on an 11 and 0 team that it's a big play threat anytime he touches the ball, especially on the defensive side of the ball, just being able to stop whatever is coming his way. Uh, Simon, what do you think of this CU and CSU, these visits here, and uh, also, you know, the, the well wishes from uh, Missouri Western? Yeah, that's all great, but I think, you know, Dante here should be getting, uh, I, I think, a little bit more of a priority here if you're a recruiter, honestly. If I'm CSU, I'm like, hey, you know, let's try to undercut CU, go ahead and offer him, boom, there you go. If I'm UNC, I would have offered yesterday because you're already competing up against an FBS school like CU and CSU as well, and so I – you know, the sooner they offer, the better for them, because that's really the only thing they have going for them, being the one of the first ones to offer him from a D1, a full ride, that is. Um, but, you know, the thing about Dante is that he's just so electric. Obviously, you know what he's going to give you defensively, but special teams wise, he's a game changer, man. I think he's somebody who starts day one as a special teamer. It could be somebody that honestly, I mean, he's your Devin Hester. Right. He's somebody who could bring it to the house uh, whenever he gets the ball in his hands and he's just going to play make because that's who he is. He's a playmaker through and through, you know, and so he's somebody that's just going to make it happen. And uh, I mean, you know what he's going to do defensively, like I said, but special teams wise, you know, he's probably a lot better than most special teamers here on the collegiate level in Colorado. And I'm very comfortable saying that. You know, he dominated high school ball. You know, he's going to dominate college ball, at least as a special teamer, if not defensively or offensively, because, you know, he has some offensive skills as well. I mean, he's just an athlete. He's a fantastic athlete, you know, with a pretty solid frame at 5'11", 180 with that kind of speed. You don't see that every day. You need to jump on this player. Um, That's just facts, you know. Um, So there you go. I would not be surprised if he gets more D1 offers here. Honestly, in my opinion, if he does take that preferred walk-on, that's fine. But I do think if he was to go to Juco, I mean, he could potentially put up even better numbers over there uh, if they use him correctly and whatnot. So I'm just going to say that straight up. I mean, you can't teach speed. You can't teach playmaking. Not really, you know. And so... I mean, he's he's a special player, and, you know, honestly, probably the only reason why he's not ranked number one, and we did go back and forth on this pretty much the entire season, like flipping him at one and then two at one and two. He was never going to be below two, you know, that's just facts. Um, but the only reason he's not number one is because of his technique, and that's just nitpicking at that point if I'm being completely honest with you. So there you go. 
Uh, if he does do a preferred walk-on, I wouldn't be mad at that either because I think he's somebody that you offer after his first year if he, you know, pans out and does his thing and stays healthy and all of that, you know? Absolutely. I mean, he's a 4-4 guy um, definitively. We've known that for a long time. And uh, just want to, <laughs> I feel like we keep glossing over this, but, you know, 3-7 GPA, that's a pretty dang good GPA. So, you know, you get a good student here too. And uh, uh, that's the same for all of these guys, by the way. And I'll talk a little bit of, more about that in the honorable mentions segment. But, uh, you know, good student and even greater athlete. I mean, honestly, such a phenomenal athlete. And he's only going to get faster. I mean, he's probably going to do track season again this spring and uh, maybe set or shatter some state records on the way. So get this guy on your team. He's a big play threat whenever he touches the ball. And uh, even if he doesn't get an opportunity to touch the ball, he'll take the ball away from someone else and uh, turn it into a potential defensive touchdown for whoever. And, you know, I got to agree that you can't, re- like, if you can get him for a preferred walk-on, it's it's a deal. But he should really have way more power five looks, in my opinion. I think that he could play up in the Big 12 as a special teamer or as a quarterback. Um, I think... It really, in, in the Pac-12, he could play on any roster day one as a special teamer and then be used super creatively. I could see him, honestly, even being switched over to just a straight-up wide receiver uh, over at Oregon. But you can't go wrong with this guy as an athlete and as a special teamer, but even as a defensive back, as somebody who's going to be able to score touchdowns for your defense multiple times a year for, for the next few years, honestly. So... Yeah, I mean, if he let's just say this, if he does become a preferred walk on for CU and he returns a kick and CU still doesn't offer him, you know, if you're the team that, you know, he returned a kick on, I mean, I'm looking at that and I'm like, hey, CU's disrespecting you, bruh. Come over and play for us and we'll give you a real offer and pay for all of your college like they should have done from the get go. So, I mean,. You know, if you're CU, maybe you hope, maybe you hope that he doesn't, you know, do uh, too much damage on special teams here. But he's going to get his offer one way or another. You know, it's it's almost impossible to see him not getting that offer eventually. You know, just a matter of time. Who's going to jump on it first, right? For sure. Yeah. So we'll be staying tuned and paying attention to that. And uh in the meantime, you just have to keep listening to this breakdown as we shower praise on him, as well as these other cornerbacks, and get ready to hear who our number one is coming up. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Cody Stoffer here, joined here by Coach V, and we are going to wrap up our top five cornerbacks of the class of 2022. Here at number one, you're just going to have to wait a second because we got some honorable mentions and guys that we absolutely need to shout out. Um, now, I'm going to start at that uh, 2A level and talk about Jace Perez out there at Elizabeth. He had like three or four interceptions in the opening round of the playoffs against a very pass-heavy Bayfield team and uh, was just a really physical cornerback there. So I wanted to shout him out. Uh, Nate Smith, he probably should have been on our safeties list, but 
Um, you know, we're, we're getting him his honorable mention here. Uh, Giovanni Mendoza, he plays at Valley. He was a big interception slash uh, interception return for touchdown king here on his level of football. Then you also have Ray Aragon there at Pueblo South uh, teaming up with uh, Jay Spella that made for a formidable secondary down south there. Michael Hemingway at Cherokee Trail, who has an offer from UNC, I believe. And last but certainly not least, and the hardest one to leave off of this list, if we could have had a three-way tie, we would have. But he just narrowly missed out, but is a phenomenal athlete, is Evan Harrell out of Cherokee Trail. Um, you know, he's he's a really fast runner. He's got fluid and quick hips, very fundamentally sound, square tackler in the run game. Um he has a giant vertical and is able to disrupt passes to bigger receivers. And he just has really good IQ. And, uh, you know, he was a couple of, you know, batted passes turned into interceptions from being on this list. He's definitely a D1 guy, though, as well, who just narrowly misses out and is also under scouting. So big shout out to Evan Harrell there. Uh, you were on our radar because of Elijah Graham. Uh, who gave us a heads up that you were going to be a baller this year and you did ball out and deserve a D1 offer. Just going to put that out there. But that is not quite enough to make the list. And a huge reason why is because this guy here at number one has just been incredible for four years, basically. Um, he's been making plays at least since his sophomore year. That is Caden Rulo out of Grandview High School, the six foot one, 185 pound corner. He is adequately sized here and uh one of the more physical cornerbacks and simon if you don't mind i would like to talk about his strengths yeah go for it all right so uh yeah caden rulo he's mind-blowingly good that's that's a great introduction for this you know great man cover corner who, I mean, he goes across the formation. He follows guys, and guys get frustrated whenever he follows them across the formation. They don't want him to be lined up on them. And I think one of the plays that struck out or stuck out to me the most was he. So he follows this guy across the formation, and it's against Cherokee Trail, I believe. And the play is set up where there's they're motioning into trips. And he go, he's going to have to work past his own guys and past the two wide receivers there that are setting up kind of like a quote-unquote pick play of sorts because it's just a leak and it's on the goal line. Like, there's no room for error here. And Caden does not error here. And he follows all the way across the formation and blows it up, stopping it short of a touchdown. And the receiver just looks confused because... There's no way that this guy who is playing outside of me on the other side of the formation really followed me all the way across and made this play through the pick play. Like, it's a great play design and a great call by Cherokee Trail, but it's just a phenomenal, I'd even argue generational playmaking moment here from Caden Rulo over there at Grandview. And he does it all. I mean, he plays, like I said, that man coverage corner who goes across the formation. He plays slot corner and outside corner very well he can play safety when asked to uh when he's at the slot and or playing a bit of a safety in the box he's a phenomenal blitzer who times and positions perfectly to sell you know that he's playing pass coverage 
and then makes a play in the backfield, whether it's on a run play or on a pass play. You know, he he's a guy who can get sacks on zone blitzes and corner blitzes and be dangerous and versatile in that way. And, you know, at that 6'185 pound frame, he's way too strong to be blocked uh, by by a wide receiver. I mean, he's not going to be blocked by most wide receivers. He's going to shuck him to the side. And, you know, he uses that arm strength very well to play phenomenal physical coverage. He can play bump and run. He can play any zone. He Like, this guy can be used in any way imaginable as far as the secondary player goes. Uh, you know, he's, he's big enough to man up and play tight ends as well, which is something that you know, is a growing need in the game of football where you're getting more of these Terrence Ferguson's, Jade Arroyo's, and that kind of talent, uh, especially on this collegiate level where they're just so big. I mean, it's hard to find a six foot one cornerback that moves as well and as quick as Caden Rulo does and is able to do as much as he already does. Um, his instincts are top notch and elite. And already at that collegiate level, he does a great job of coming off of his manner assignment to help out and, you know, go for big hits or intercept passes that aren't intended for him. But I mean, he's just and, you know, for a Grandview, I feel like he's the fastest player on this Grandview team. And you could see that in his special teams film, which I really appreciate that he put in because it's it goes understated how useful a special teams coverage guy can be. And Caden Rulo is phenomenal on special teams. He's usually the first one down there. And I mean, in every facet of his game, he goes for playmaker plays. And what I mean by that is, you know, he doesn't just punch the ball out. He takes the ball away from returners, wide receivers, running backs, you name it. He just rips it and takes it to the house. Uh, on on plays where the ball ends up on the dirt, he doesn't jump on it. He scoops and scores. I mean, and, you know, he takes lots of interceptions for for big returns, and he always is looking for the end zone, and he's looking for points. He's looking for how to be one step above everybody else, and he consistently does it. I, if I was an offensive coordinator, I would just rule out going towards Caden Rulo at all. Like, really, I would not want to call plays towards this guy because he's going to cause headaches. And as far as return goes, it's like, yeah, if you take a kick to the house, that's cool. But do not get tackled by number one here. He is going to make you look silly. And you better protect that dang football. Uh, Simon, I know I've been rambling here for a minute on just how great Caden Rulo is. Why don't you fill us in on some things that I might have missed? Because there's just so much to like here. And if you want to reinforce some things, please do. Because I just, the listeners need to know just how good this guy is. Yeah, no, for sure. Honestly, I don't want to put, uh, you know, I don't want to repeat too much here. But he's just great. I mean, fundamentally, he's as sound as it gets as a tackler, as uh, someone in coverage, whether it's man or zone. He could play both. You know, he does really well making receivers uncomfortable, getting leverage, you know, has a very good ball skills. I mean, he's the biggest corner on this list, too, by the way, at 6'1", 185. So for him to be able to do all this stuff is pretty big time. And honestly, I mean, he's just one of the best athletes, you know, on this Grandview team and, and is one of the reasons why they're going as far in the playoffs as as they are or well 
I guess when this is over, um, or when this episode comes out, playoffs will be over by then. But, you know, he is one of the reasons why Grandview is doing so well, along with his boy Malik Singleton out here. And those two really just hold down, I mean, this Grandview secondary and cause a lot of trouble, you know. Uh, last year, even, you know, against Cherry Creek and that dominant team, you know, he got snaps against Chase Penry. And, you know, he was giving him a good go, probably as good a go as you can get against a guy like Chase Penry, who is equally, well, maybe not equally, but very much like, fundamental and very sound in almost every single way and so you know chase penry i mean he was an excellent player as a wide receiver last year and you know kanan rillo he's a lot of that you know just a lot a lot like chase penry i would say just fundamentally sound pretty much good at everything you know just a good athlete and then obviously skill wise he's just there you know he's somebody who I mean, he is the number one corner in Colorado because he's just the best overall corner in Colorado between athleticism, skills, uh, knowledge as well, because he does play at multiple spots. I mean, I think he's very deserving of this spot right here. But uh, um, Cody, do you mind if I talk about areas of improvements here? I really only have one that kind of sticks out. Well, other than that, I mean, it's all praise for Caden Rulo here. Yeah, go for it. Okay. So, only thing is, athleticism, I mean, it's not bad, but obviously he's not Dante Capolongo or some of these other guys who run, like, low 4-4s, four um, you know, borderline 4-3s. He does, he is listed at, like, a 4-4, four, four, either 8 or 9, so he's kind of on that back end there. And, you know, it's not, like, look, I mean... Some people are going to look at that and be like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And it's not, you know, but it does show a little bit here. It is recovery speed. I think he's going to be fine regardless, you know. If anything, just continue to work on that explosiveness, change of direction, you know, adjust to that next level of play. But other than that, um, that's pretty much it, you know. I don't really have too much more there. I mean, honestly, just in my opinion, I think Dante Capolongo in general is just a better athlete, like pure athlete. Um, and, you know, Caden Rulo, he's really close to Dante, but he's not quite there. Uh, but, you know, Rulo, he makes up for it in other places. Obviously, he's 6'1", almost 190. And also, you know, he's just fundamentally more sound and has a very good technique. So, you know, there you go there. Cody, what do you think about that uh, before we hit, uh, air, not areas of improvement, before we hit Outlook here? I'm going to have to agree. I mean, you know, he could be a little bit better uh, speed-wise. I think that's just going to come with working with college coaches. But like you said, he's he's going to be fine. It was, it was hard to... I, I was too entranced by uh, his playmaking ability to come with his of improvement really on my end because I mean he's a really good tackler, um, kind of like you alluded to, and that's that's something that is usually a weakness for cornerbacks. But I mean he can get off of blocks and he's strong and and, and a good tackler, so you know that's not something that we really had to be too concerned about um, when when doing this breakdown and when doing this list. And, uh, yeah, it, just his fundamentals were enough to uh, get him that number one spot over Dante's athleticism. It, it, which, if you're a college guy, 
Uh, if you're a college coach, you should want either one of these guys um, on, on your team. But yeah, um, he, he's a great guy and, and a great playmaker and somebody who, you know, was integral to Grandview stealing a conference championship. You know, he he forces fumbles, too, because he hits really hard. Uh, he he plays a lot like a safety, but can do everything that a quarterback can do. So, you know, that's that's huge. That's huge. Yeah, um, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. So do you want to go ahead and talk about some of his offers here? He's not committed, is he? So no, his boy Malik is committed to Wyoming. He is not committed yet. Um, but I will say it looks like he has an offer to um, St. Mary, University of St. Mary. So I think that's like a D2 school. Um, oh, the Spires? Also, you say the Spires? Yeah. Like yeah. the blue and yellow. Yeah, they're NAIA. Oh, and I, I, I okay. know them. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, you you got kind of excited. Um, well, I I know they listen to this podcast, so yeah. But go on. Oh, okay, okay. Shout out to them then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Then he also has an offer to Midway College in Kentucky. Um, says help us make history, uh, be a founding member of Eagle Spring football. So I guess that's a brand new. Uh, football program where Caden could immediately be the best player in school history. Uh, but he also he had a visit out to Western on October 10th. Uh, but this is another case of a guy going highly um, under-recruited, in my opinion. Uh, I looked at his Instagram, too, and he has a photo in a Wyoming um, jersey and, like, gloves and stuff. So maybe he has... I don't know if he has an official offer there, but at least interest. Um, but yeah, maybe he will join his boy Malik Singleton up there. Uh, regardless, it's under recruiting at its finest. Uh, Simon, you disagree with any of that? No, um, and nothing against St. Mary's. I know they have a bunch of Colorado boys on their staff, so they're pretty familiar with it. And uh, also shout out to Coach Grayson over there, um, the head women's uh, football coach over there. But yeah, honestly, Caden Rulo, I mean, he's a D1 guy. I think his skill set definitely puts him in D1 conversation. Um, you know, I look... Unfortunately for a lot of these corners, uh, they're all D1 guys, but they're just not getting those looks. You know, maybe some recruiters look at this and they're like, oh, it's easy to be a good corner when you have bad receivers you're playing against, you know, and you're not playing like, you know, like a good receiver every week like you would be if you're in Texas or Georgia or Florida because they have a bunch of speedsters, you know. And so that might be a, you know, a problem. But honestly, <clears throat> I mean, come and find out. You know, put these guys one on one against your best guy and see what happens is what I'm going to say here. And, you know, put Caden Rulo in a situation to compete. And I think he's going to compete his way into a couple offers, a couple more offers, whether it's Juco or going, you know, just deciding like, hey, I could walk on here and I could be offered pretty soon here. So I could see that for him. Um, I mean, he's just he's an excellent player. It's hard to not 
I mean, it's hard to see him not get an offer. If he doesn't, it, it would be an absolute shame because I think he is somebody that not only can, you know, play on this next level, but might be able to play some pro ball, whether it's one sec. Excuse me. But he might be able to play some pro ball, whether it's NFL, CFL, XFL, when it starts up soon here again, you know, whatever. Like, I think he's somebody that has that skill set to move on to the next level and potentially play some snaps. Now, I'm not going to say how many or whatever, but I just think he's one of those dudes. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm overreaching there. So that's my opinion. So there you go. I agree. Cool. Well, <laughs> well we're, we are <laughs> at an unfamiliar, complete agreement here um, for, for this podcast. But um, yeah, overall, this was a very fun group of players to talk about. And in recap, watch. we have yeah. at, you know, the quote unquote number six spot who just misses out, Evan Harrell d1 talent uh, at the five spot we had a tie between lawrence walker number 23 and curtis jackson 22 from fountain court carson d1 guys number four we had Jaden allen fountain court carson number seven d1 guy highly versatile number three Braden keith out of legacy high school d1 guy uh, number two dante Capalungo, d1 guy one of the best athletes, if not the best athlete in the state of Colorado in football. And number one, who wears number one, Caden Rulo out of Grandview High School, a D1 guy. Yeah. And I bet I bet more <laughs> offers will come in uh, for Caden here as like the season actually ends. Um, you know, I could understand that he's not posting too much about it because he wants to bring Grandview Championship. At the time of this recording, we don't know if he did or not, um, but it's possible. Yeah, because of him and honestly, a lot of these athletes on Grandview that will probably be making this list, uh, you know, you got to give them credit, you know. Plus, Grandview has a new head coach, too. So for them to make the semis, I mean, it shows just the raw talent they have over there. And you got to give them credit. So, yeah. But uh, with that being said, that'll wrap up this episode of the Playmakers Corner podcast. Remember, every Friday from here on out, um, well, not every Friday, but most Fridays from here on out until we finish this list, we'll be doing our top five seniors list here in the state of Colorado at every position. So far, I believe we've done cornerbacks, tight ends, inside linebackers interior linemen as well um and then it will be this episode so yeah so there you go and so that'll be every friday we're gonna keep this thing going obviously with uh every position that we gotta cover here moving forward and then i believe the season will be over by now starting on mondays or tuesdays we'll figure it out uh we're gonna start our award show um episodes where basically we're gonna go class by class one through five a and talk playmakers of the year offensive players of the year defensive players of the year uh newcomer of the year you know all those stuff obviously we're all gonna vote on that and you the fans will be able to vote on that as well if we haven't already already released you know 
our instructions without um, how to vote we will and we'll figure that out so yeah so that way you the fans also have a vote um that will collectively count as one as we vote for these uh awards here from the 1a 2a 3a 4a and 5a level of football but with that being said make sure you go ahead and follow us on all of our social medias where a lot of that voting will be going on and a lot of those announcements will be coming out and so that's at the playmakers corner on twitter facebook instagram uh tiktok as well we will also be on youtube eventually here so go ahead and show some love there and then on all of our major streaming platforms we assume you're listening to us on one of those go ahead and show us some love give us a good rating and all that we highly appreciate those at the end of this year you know maybe maybe we do a reading of some of those what do you think cody maybe maybe we do that read off a couple uh just to just to show y'all some love so We'll see, but uh, go ahead and show some love there. And you know what? I've been one of your co-hosts, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. AKA Coach V. And I've been the other enthusiastic host here, Cody Stoffer. And until next time, peace. Boom. <laughs>